Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Lobon. Tony, scientists just found a bird in the permafrost that lived 46,000 years ago. I'm Tony Kornheiser, or as UB Brown calls them, the high school years. Oh, you know, just shot this UB. Where is the permafrost? Think, do you Where think, is that? I don't know where the permafrost is. It could be here, right near Lake Michigan, although it's been too warm. Is that possible? You don't think it's up in the Arctic? Or you think it's of possible? Of course. Wow. Yeah. It'd be great if you were stuck in the permafrost. No, no, it wouldn't make me happy. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, Tyson Fury dominates Deontay Wilder. We've got chaos at the top of college basketball. And a former Zamboni driver becomes an NHL star for a night. But we begin today with the moving and extraordinary outpouring of affection towards Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna today in Los Angeles. There were speeches and performers paying tribute and a collection of athletes perhaps unseen in recent memory. Wilbon, I was particularly moved by the courage and composure of Vanessa Bryant talking about her unimaginable loss. What struck you? Tony, I'll start there, too, with Vanessa Bryant. I mean, just seeing her get up there, it's, it's unimaginable to me. The courage it took, the composure it took, and that's, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I, when I tuned in. And so to see her talk about that and to, to, to ask Kobe to take care of their daughter, it was just moving in a way that I didn't know that I was going to be moved. But, but all of the speakers, Tony, starting with, with Jimmy Kimmel, who sort of led people through it. And I thought he was the absolute perfect host in the way he executed that. And all of the speakers and Diana Taurasi, you know, just struck me and, and, and sort of the, the talk of, Kobe and women's sports and women's basketball and Gianna and what they were going through and the new footage of her playing the game. There was so much of it. I thought it was an incredible public moment from Michael Jordan and people don't expect that from him. And yet he, he had that and talked about the, the, the brotherly, big brotherly relationship that he had with Kobe. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it was so moving and so sincere and so touching. And I'm glad that I watched it and I wasn't sure going into it that I would be able to or want to. Yeah, I, I was happy with the humor and almost everyone who spoke tried to be humorous. I was happy that there was a concentration on Kobe Bryant and his daughter and not just Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. We're sitting in the newsroom here watching it. And as you know, there's 25 television sets and almost all of them are tuned to ESPN. But there's one tuned to CNN and they ran it full. They did not have commercial interruptions. And that got me to think, Mike, that this was more than just a sports event. It was a news event of consequence. Tony, absolutely. And, and not local, not national, global. I mean, because you see the reactions pouring in and people watching in live time where they are. Six and eight and 10 and 12 hours different from, from, from Pacific time. And it, it, it's a reminder about the impact of his life and, and the reaction. And people noted that. And you mentioned humor. And I thought, you know, I, I, I now think of every speaker and, and Shaq. And I thought his light touch and, you know, and the, the history that he referred to, the personal history with the two of them. There were it was all it just all seemed appropriate we and, uh, and, now, and necessary. Sorry. We move now to the Wilder Fury fight. Unlike their first meeting in this one, Tyson Fury knocked down Deontay Wilder twice. Fury hit Wilder so hard and so often 
that Wilder's assistant trainer, Mark Breland, threw in the towel in the seventh round. Wilbon, you bought the fight. What was your reaction to the outcome, and are you excited by the possibility of a third fight? Tony, I thought the whole thing was compelling. Not in the way I thought. I thought there would probably be more even exchange, and there wasn't. This was a beatdown. But I, 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 let's go straight to Mark Breland, because to me, that's where the story really begins. Mark Breland, for those who, who, who don't know, was an Olympic fighter, an Olympic fighter of some consequence. I mean, I covered the Olympic boxing team in 1984, and Mark Breland was, Breland was on it. And so for Mark Breland, he's the most qualified guy in that corner to say no, enough. Right. He's, there's enough punishment here. Not only does he know the, the fighter because he's working with him, yeah. he knows this predicament of being hit like that and, and being out of it and not being able to hit back and being hit in the ear, on the ear, on the button, where you perhaps lose your balance for the next, who knows, the rest of the fight. We're not sure that Wilder had his balance. So I thought, and I'm watching with my brother. We've been watching fights since we were four years old with my father. And he's like, why does he, how he can't stop it? I'm like, Don, he has to stop it. And I was glad that Mark Breland was the guy, Tony, to throw that towel in and make that call. Yeah, Breland, you know, Breland's a, a boxer. Breland's not some guy's cousin with a cell phone in the corner. I mean, it, th- that's the right call. I'll share a story with people watching that you and I know about. Many years ago, 1986, 1987, something like that, we were at a regional, an NCAA regional in Louisville. And Providence, then coached by Rick Pitino, was going to play Georgetown the day before the game. And Providence had these great guards. They had Billy Donovan and Delray Brooks who could shoot from anywhere. And Rick Pitino told us, told everybody there, we're going to go inside against Georgetown. And I wrote, this is insane, and he's lying, and he's not going to do it. Well, they went inside inside and they won. Tyson Fury said, I'm going to gain 30 pounds, I'm going to lean on him, I'm going to knock him out. And everybody said, that's insane, you can't do it. He did it, he won. All credit to him. Well, Tony, some credit, too, to that trainer from the Kronk Gym in Detroit. Who, Sugar Hill, yeah. who, who, who Fury went out and got and said, no, you, you're the guy to lead me through this. And it was, I mean, it was some event. And now you wonder, like, you, is a third fight going to have it, don't this kind you? of juice? You want to see I it? I do. Okay. I presume it's going to happen, Tony. Yes, of course it's going to happen. So much money, so much money. Let's get into the weekend in college basketball, during which three of the top four teams lost, including previously undefeated San Diego State. We're only three weeks from Selection Sunday, Tony, yet the favorites have yet to reveal themselves with any certainty. Yeah. So, among the teams that lost, Baylor, Gonzaga, San Diego State, which do you see still clinging to a possible top seed in the NCAA tournament? So when you have losses like this late in the season, you anticipate a tumble-down effect. And there might be a tumble-down effect if one team lost or two teams lost. But in a 24-hour period, not only did those teams that you mentioned, which were going to be number one seeds, lose, but Maryland, which might have gone up to be a number one seed as well, they lost. So there's going to be no tumble-down effect, Mike. Everybody's pretty much going to stay where they were with this caveat. If Gonzaga or San Diego State lose their conference tournament, they will drop to the two-line. They'll definitely drop, and maybe the Big Ten champ, maybe the ACC champ, presuming they win the tournament, will move up. But if that doesn't happen, I think they are the number one seeds, along with Kansas, Tony, obviously. I do, too. But the thing is, everybody keeps losing. Which right. means, let's, let's That's say right. Gonzaga and San Diego State. Let's just take the two of them, because their records are so gaudy. Let's say they lose. 
in the second round of their conference tournaments. And you and I, historically, like everybody else, would say, okay, they got to drop down and Yeah, they do. But, Tony, we don't know what's going to happen in the ACC. We don't even know. Like, how good is Duke? How good is whoever's going to win the Big Ten? And there's, like, six teams that can win the Big Ten tournament. Are they any good? By the way, real quickly, they're going to move this is, up. This, this is throughout college basketball. Seven of the top twenty-one teams on the women's side. Seven of the top twenty-one lost yesterday. Yeah, so that's what, insane. Kansas is is the number one team in the country, and Kansas will be on the on the top line. But that doesn't mean Kansas can win this thing because we've seen them lose as well. What we've seen now, late in the season, is the pattern that emerged early in the season where you don't yeah. know. You yeah. don't know. And so now it's the whole season. That's right. Is what it is. The Milwaukee Bucks dominated the Philadelphia 76ers over the weekend. As usual, the Sixers lost on the road. They also lost Ben Simmons, who had an MRI on his back and will miss at least tonight's game against Atlanta. So, Wilbon, which is the bigger story here? The excellence of the Bucks, who have already clinched a playoff spot in February, or the perilous state of the 76ers? Well, the 76ers have been in this state for a while. Hey, look, if, if Ben Simmons has to miss more than a few games, or if this is one of those nagging things that dogs him into April, then the Sixers have, I mean, let's face it, they don't look like they have a shot now because they can't win a game on the road, and they're not like going to be a top seed who just plays every game at home. It's not that kind of party for them. So I would say it's Ben Simmons. If we're talking about day-to-day, and he can get back in there and be the the all-star, the terrific player he's been, then the 76ers still, Tony, they will play some games at home, yeah, they, I mean, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, I, mean, I don't expect the Sixers yeah. to roll over, but I, I'm going to say it's them over Milwaukee. We got a long time. We're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, please forgive me because I'm going at your boy, Joel Embiid. I know you are. Right, I know I'm going you can't wait for this. Because they win one game out of the break. They win at home in overtime, and Embiid stands up and he says, I'm the best basketball player in the world. Well, not so much because Antetokounmpo went out there, and let us just look at a number or two here, right, with Antetokounmpo. He goes 31-17 and eight assists against Embiid, who goes 17-11 and four. Embiid is minus 18 and Antetokounmpo is plus 25. They're not the bigger story because we've watched this all year. The Milwaukee Bucks are 48 and eight, and they're the bigger story right now. They're the better team, they're killing it. They're killing it. Listen, and their players better than Embiid. Here's that. All that's true, Tony. But the reason Thank the you. 76ers are the bigger story now. Everybody out there, I mean, I, I mean, like 60% of the people in the preseason picked Philadelphia to represent the Eastern Conference in the right. finals. And they're going to be That's wrong. why they're the bigger story now, because mm-hmm. they're going to be out fairly early if they don't have a turnaround that you and I are now not expecting. Yeah, because you got to play almost half the games on the road. On the road. You do. And you if do. you're the lower seed, you got to play more than half yep. on the road. That's right. Tony, so it's quite possible that the biggest star of the weekend, all right, after Tyson Fury, was a former Zamboni driver. It's hard to get enough of the story of David Ayers, the emergency goalie who, in this insane NHL culture, got to play for the Carolina Hurricanes against the team, Toronto Maple Leafs, that he works for. And he won. This is straight out of some kid cartoon, yet it actually happened. What do you make of this? Well, it's not a cartoon. It's actually a movie. I mean, it's really a movie. This is exactly what you described. It's fabulous. And it goes beyond the sport. This guy was on every talk show this morning all around. the. I mean, everybody wants to talk to him. It can only happen in hockey where at every game there's an emergency goalie. Teams carry two goalies. If they both get hurt, they throw in some guy. And he plays for whatever team needs him. And that's how it happens. He actually works for Toronto. 
and 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 down the road, if Toronto misses the playoffs by two points, by two, how about it, that? Then it's this game. We're going to fire game. this guy. You know, you should. You know what they should have done? They should have slipped some money in his envelope and said, "You got to go down. You got to go down early. They you can't have a guy going against his employer." It's a great story, Mike. Charlie. He went but, down early. The first two shots I know, he took, but he when stopped. It, it looked like it was going to be twenty-one to three, and then he I stoned know, but he them in the eight third of ten. That's right. He stopped eight of ten. Last so eight. Here's the other thing: is let, 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 let's, let's let's be fair about this. The fact that this can happen is a flaw in the NHL structure that is ought to be embarrassing. Why? Look, look, Tony, because it's stupid. It's an emergency goalie. This is a sport that you point out all the time. They hire coaches. They bring people in in the middle of the week in the playoffs. Right. Don't tell me you can do that, but you can't have an in-uniform, on-the-bench emergency goalie. Football teams have emergency third quarterbacks if you get too hurt. They have an emergency punter, some kid who punted in high school. Don't tell me this is reasonable. It's, it's not reasonable. Not it's just stupid. reasonable. It it's is stupid. leading to something that, that this person will live with for the rest of his life. It, it is. is a heroic it's act. It's wonderful. Yeah. Don't be a grouch. Tony, it's wonderful. It's a great story, and it it's a dumb flaw in the NHL that ought to embarrass that league. Boo. Let's take a break. Coming up is Mark Cuban right that the Mavericks got hosed by the refs. And should security at the Astros games be confiscating signs from paying customers? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. The Astros. I've been serious I got some words. This whole show. I got some words for them. Yeah. What's that thing on your head? It's mail time where you send in questions and Mike and I answer them with incredible insight and great passion or something like that. Mail time! Something like that. Here we go. Is Mark Cuban right that that Mavs got hosed by the refs? They got hosed, Tony. I mean, I know there was an inadvertent whistle um, that happened during a putback. And... The thing is, Tony, if you're going to say, if you're going to change the rule on the goaltend call, then you, you, you can't then allow the putback, which Atlanta had, you can't allow that to count. So they wind up with a four-point lead, Tony, instead of a two-point lead. Cuban winds up on the court multiple times, and you know he's been fined like millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah. in his career as a Mavericks owner. And so the league has both the protest to consider and what to do about punishing Cuban. So there's a mess and who knows where it's going to go, but did it, did, did, yeah, they got hosed in the game, yeah. This is pretty simple. Athletes in every sport know that there's one rule. You play to the whistle. When the whistle sounds, you stop. You back away. That's how it works. So in a case like this, yes, the Mavericks got hosed. Sure. Yeah, they did. Because that basket, as you said, that basket count, count. cannot count. However much time is left, I don't think the league's going to replay it. I mean, I just don't think they're going to replay it. And that's going to be the end of it. And Mark Cuban stomping around, that's not a great look. It's just Tony, not a great look. But he's is right. the league that's obliged that? to sort of let it go since it was the mess up on court? I think that they're obliged to not fine him as much as they'd like to fine him. Okay. Yes. Does Steph Curry's nerve damage in his left hand make you concerned that he will still be as effective? Concerned, yes. I mean, it's the left hand. It's not the right. But obviously he was trying to brace himself and he suffered damage to that hand, like at the base of it. The palm going into the wrist, I think, because I've, I've seen it. But I, we don't know, Tony. I mean, Steph Curry is so wondrous. And what you find out, too, I talked to just a couple of former players, and they said, look, by the time you get 10, 12 years in, which Steph Curry is about to be or is, 
There's so much damage to one's hands, and you have talked about this all the time, yeah. about players in their hands. Yeah. And they learn how to do wondrous things around those disabilities. So I should let you mention that. Well, here's, here's the deal. Look, I've got a herniated disc in my back, all right? And I've got nerve that's inflamed, and it sends radiating pain down my left leg. One of the things I do is I take gabapentin for nerve pain and I walk in a pool. I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but the pain is going down. Do we know that this is nerve damage that is permanent? Because if it is not permanent, That's a great if point. his body resolves itself, there's great no point. problem whatsoever. If it doesn't, maybe when he's dribbling a little bit, but I tend to believe, as you tend to believe, that Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry when he walks on the court. That's what I think. Certainly Last one. Certainly rooting for that. Gabapentin, Wilbon. It's the way to go. The, <laughs> Are the Astros right to confiscate protest signs? Look, the Astros, they just will not go away. I mean, yesterday, yesterday, I guess this was yesterday, they took this sign away with an asterisk, and the sign said nothing. It's as mild a taunt as you can have, and yet a security official took it. Now, I, we don't know necessarily the security official worked for directly the Astros, it could be the ballpark. She could have been sort of acting on her own and not on request of the at the request of the Astros. But Tony, if the Astros ordered this, they they just become more despicable every day. If they did this, I'm saying if if they ordered this, it shows they are so thin skinned and don't get it and are delusional to a point that they're going to have problems this season. Mark Deshera said this morning on Get Up, the Astros haven't owned this. They better start yeah. owning it. I think that you have the right, if it's your ballpark, to issue a set of rules as to what is permissible in terms of signs and what is not. The Astros are going to see this everywhere they go all season long. A lot this worse. Is, this is not going away. Um, Jose Altuve apparently got hit today. I don't know to what extent, but they're, they are going to see this. A guy brought to that first game with the Nats, a guy brought a garbage can, was banging on the garbage can. That's funny. If they wanna, that is funny. If they want to save themselves at home, they're going to get it on the road. They are. Everybody knows what they did, and they know what they did. Enough email. Let's take one last break, but still to come. Should the Diamondbacks allow Madison Bumgarner to keep his rodeo career? That's a question we didn't think he'd be posing. And is Jim Irsay right to keep a little hope alive for the return of Andrew Luck? I like you throwing out the word despicable. 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 You didn't even think this was a big deal when it happened. I didn't. Happy time. People happy 39th birthday, Brian Flores. Flores is the first-year coach of the Miami Dolphins after having been Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator. Everyone assumed the Dolphins would try to go 0-16 as they tanked for Tua. The Dolphins started out 0-7, but they won five of their last nine, disproving the notion that they were trying to lose and proving that Brian Flores knows what he's doing. The Dolphins will pick fifth in a lot of drafts, say Tua, after his broken hip, will be available to them anyway. All right, I don't want to get to mock draft territory, but... Flores, Tony, I'm glad that he he was trying to win. And aren't you surprised he's so young? 39, did you think he was that young? I had no idea, but I think he did a good job. Happy anniversary, Blake Bortles. On this day just two years ago, the Jaguars gave Bortles a three-year, $54 million contract to stay with the team through the 2020 season. That extension lasted all of one season as Jacksonville released the former number three overall pick after throwing 75 interceptions in 75 games. On the bright side, Bortles didn't throw a single pick last season. He threw only two passes, serving as Jared Goff's backup on the Los Angeles Rams. I couldn't have told you for a million dollars where he was playing. 
And it shows what a fraud an NFL contract is. You said it was three years, and then you said it wasn't. It, didn't, it only lasted a year. Then how the hell is it three years? Happy trails to Madison Bumgarner's secret rodeo career. The newly signed Diamondbacks ace confirmed to The Athletic that he has been competing in professional rodeo competitions under the alias Mason Saunders. The Diamondbacks, who signed Bumgarner to a five-year, $85 million deal this offseason, say they were unaware of Bumgarner's rodeo career when they signed him. But Arizona GM Mike Hazen didn't sound overly concerned when he told USA Today, quote, these guys are professional athletes and they're grown adults. They have lives outside of the game, unquote. Wilbon, what if he falls off a horse onto his left shoulder? Then he will justifiably get the NFL contract treatment, won't he? Big finish real quick. Alexander Ovechkin scored goal number 700 over the weekend. Your thoughts? Tony, it's incredible how he's scoring. Bigger deal, though, for the team is the Caps trader for Ilya Kovalchuk, Ovi's buddy. I mean, that's a big pickup, I think. Patrick Reed won the WGC Mexico event. Significant. Big win, but he's also been accused of cheating publicly in the last few months. Markeith Morris joined the Lakers. Significant addition. I'm sure they want to, he wants to go against his twin brother in the conference finals, preferably. Colts owner Robert Ursay said of Andrew Luck, we'll see what happens, but we have to go on with the assumption he will not be back. Colts quote, what do you read into that? That they're realistic, that he won't be back, probably. Oklahoma State at new number one Kansas tonight. Are you smelling upset? I should be, Tony. I'm going to go chalk with Kansas and Jayhawks at home, but beware. Time, time, Tony. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, Knuckleheads. You can